Welcome to the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network brought to you by Shady Rays. Shady Rays is having their best deal. <laughs> Go to ShadyRays.com and use code SGPN for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses and uh, 3D Dynasty. Let us know what you think about the logo and the name. Welcome to the show. We got the NFL draft. Hope everyone is uh, is ready to go. Um, we got day three going on. We have three rounds in the books. And so a lot of surprises. Brad, I think it's easiest if we just go starting with the round one recap and just go pick by pick so we don't miss anybody because there's so much to, to go through. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of questions out there. So um, let's look at it. We got the draft tracker. And we're not going to start with round four. So the first fantasy football relevant player was the first player off the board. We had, I'll go through the top four picks. Bryce Young at one, CJ Stroud at two, Will Anderson at three, Anthony Richardson at four. So for Superflex, this is huge. We got three quarterbacks with very similar draft capital with none of them are really pristine landing spots. And that's typical when your team is picking in the top five. Brad, who'd you have as your one going in? Who is your one coming out? Now you're muted. Hell. Dude, my mic is just jacked up today for whatever reason. Bryce Young was my number one going in. He is still my number one, assuming he was going to Carolina to begin with. I never really believed in all the chatter around C.J. Stroud being the top pick there. Um, so I really like the landing spot. I like that they brought in a Jonathan Mingo later on in the draft. I think that's going to be helpful for Bryce Young. Uh, and Miles Sanders to kind of lean on. So I like the build that the Carolina Panthers have going. And I just think Bryce Young is head and shoulders above everybody else in this draft class. Yeah. And we talked about it before the draft is of how, you know, how landing spot and everything is going to change things. And, you know, and we talked specifically about Anthony Richardson. And for me, um, you know, something that Matt said on the show the other day, you know, Konami code quarterback and, and the instant, you know, I do think you're going to get more fantasy production early if every single one of these guys plays right away. Anthony Richardson's going to give you that early. We saw it last year. Kenny Pickett, he was okay, but I mean, you can start Kenny Pickett for anything. And so, um, you know, those those quarterback rookie quarterbacks typically don't they don't really do too much year one. Um, but the guys that that you know, like Patrick Mahomes didn't play year one. He killed it 50 touchdowns in his first year that's not expected with any of these players but i have to move anthony richardson up he's the rushing upside is just too much and even if i'm gonna say that um you know anthony richardson's not gonna play year one it's there um the the one concern that i'll have and uh you know i don't play fantasy football by like decade like in the next decade this is gonna happen but you know um a quarterback's longevity is much longer than a running back, but a rushing quarterback does not have the same longevity as a pocket passer. And so somebody like Cam Newton is a great example. Feels like Cam Newton is, you know, 40 years old and this guy's 
what, 32, 31, but because of his play style, was not, did not have a long career. So that is something you need to consider with these, these rushing quarterbacks. So Bryce Young's your one. Who is your two? Yeah, I'm going to stick with C.J. Stroud uh, at number two. Uh, I still have my tears, though, the way that they were pre-draft. I'm very big advocate of not making it a common occurrence to shift tears around. Uh, so C.J. Stroud is still my number two. Ended up at Houston. They did add some weapons there. He's got a little security blanket in Dalton Schultz as well. And this might be one of the most accurate, if not the most accurate quarterback out of the class. Um, there was some concerns around his athleticism that I think he put to bed in that Georgia, uh, in the Georgia Bowl game. And it's just going to continue to move forward there with the Houston Texans. I love everything that they did in this draft, being able to move back up and get Will Anderson with this third overall pick uh, that we probably won't talk about because – you know, unless you're in IDP leagues, we're going to leave that uh, to our counterparts with the, the SGP and Fantasy Football Network. But I think it's a good core to start to build your team around. You got John Mechie coming back, uh, hopefully healthy. Uh, and they added a little bit in the draft as well at the wide receiver position. So Stroud is still my number two. Yeah. And, and for me, you know how I do my rankings. I'm looking at player value. And I, I think that the consensus has made a, a swing that Anthony Richardson is the more valuable player at this point. And people just they love that rushing upside. And it does offer a safe floor for these younger players. You look at Jalen Hurts. He threw 16 touchdowns two years ago, was the quarterback eight on the year. Didn't even start the whole season. Then you have um, Justin Fields last year, he had a he. Barely, I, don't think, I don't know how many touchdowns he threw, but it was not a lot, and he had a good good fancy season. Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones only threw 15 touchdowns last year. He was a top 10 quarterback. So rushing is just it's just a cheat code. And until unless you play in a league that's got some scoring that helps you know uh, reduce it, I have to go with Anthony Richardson at one at this point. And I just love Shane Steichen, and we've talked about this, Brad. And if you get someone like Shane Steichen there, I think that the team will they will build around him, similar to how the Ravens built around Lamar Jackson. And they can do that here in this draft as well as in the next few seasons by building a, a, a team that is going to build around his strengths. And one of the things they did was they grabbed Josh Downs, huge playmaker, and I absolutely love that pick to go with Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce and, and Isaiah McKenzie. So uh, I'm a big fan of what they're doing. They also got Jonathan Taylor there. So, I mean, you you try uh, Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson coming out of the backfield with some RPOs and some, some other stuff. It's going to be a handful for the defenses. So I'm going to go with Bryce Young at two, CJ Stroud at three. And uh, I, I definitely want to – I don't want to forget to talk about Shady Ray's our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that is just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady, Shady Rays offers the most insane protection of all eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is back with lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have a they they have your back a long way after the purchase. With Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good too. To date, they have donated over 20 million 
meals to fight hunger and feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free for 30 days, no risk when you shop at Shady Rays. The team always has your back exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays is giving, giving away their best deal of the year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code SGPN for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the, sh- the shades rated five plus stars by 200,000 people. So, Brad, the the next one, you know I was pretty shocked by this. You weren't. You thought this was probably late in the draft here at the eighth spot. Bijan Robinson goes to the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, I saw some people out there saying this is a bad landing spot. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, who's he competing with? Uh, I, look, I get it. Tyler Algier looked good. You don't pick Bijan Robinson at number eight overall and be like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna have like a 60-40 split with Tyler Algier, our fifth round, sixth round pick from last season. Like, get out of here with that. Stop freaking out. Just look at what the Atlanta Falcons are doing on the ground. If you look, they were one of the top rushing teams in the NFL through the first like eight to ten weeks of the season last year with Marcus Mariota at the helm, running, you know, with Cordero Patterson and Caleb Huntley and Tyler Algier, and now you put a legitimate threat in the backfield. I just think he's going to eat. He has that pass-catching ability as well. There's nobody there that is going to actually challenge him. This is a guy that I believe you can see Najee Harris type of load from Najee Harris's rookie season, where it's almost 400 opportunities between rushing the ball and pass uh, targets or uh, uh, pass catching targets. So I think this is an absolute smash location for him. They're going to build around him. It seems like they might be pretty happy with at least what they saw from a developmental perspective over those last three games with Desmond Ritter. You got Drake London another year in. You got Kyle Pitts another year in. uh, Adding to the offensive line. I just think this team is going to start to improve and Bijan is going to be the backbone of that offense. Yeah. And you know, the person said, I can, I can list 20 teams that are better. And, and I was like, let me see the list yeah. um, because there's not is, is it, you know, is he, did he go to one of the top five power offenses in the league? No, but what he did go to is a team that rushed the ball the most in the NFL last year. They had the third most rushing yards in the league last year. And this is a team that has a good offensive line and a head coach that as an offensive coordinator used, he used a workhorse approach when he was in Tennessee with Derrick Henry and Bijan Robinson is that kind of guy. And there's just not a lot of places out there that are going to offer that opportunity of being a workhorse. There's you, you said 20 teams. Give me, give me half the league that actually gives 70% 70% or more to one running back. It's probably like five or six teams that actually do that. So Bijan going there, I thought was a great landing spot. And for him, it's good draft capital. I mean, not only is he getting paid, he gets the five-year option. So uh, I think it's it's going to be a fun offense there with Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and now Bijan Robinson. And soon after, so on the Sports Gambling Podcast live draft show, they said, give me a hot take. And I was like, I'm not a hot take guy because I couldn't think of anything on the spot. And then I said, Jameer Gibbs is going to get drafted over B. John Robinson. And they were like, whoa, 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 you're not a hot take guy. And I was almost there. 
I was almost there. The Lions were thinking about Jameer Gibbs at the sixth spot. Um, I mean, just it would have been – it was a Dave Gettleman kind of a first round for them, running back and offensive and an outside linebacker. But they did trade and get an additional – um, you know, additional pick, I believe first round pick to go with those. But Jameer Gibbs goes to 12. This was the shock of the draft. We fully expect to see DeAndre Swift possibly traded today. And that would be great for Jameer Gibbs. And it would definitely be great for David Montgomery. But what are your thoughts here about Jameer Gibbs going to the Lions? I was one angry dude last night or on uh, on Friday night because Thursday night because of that as soon as this happened I'm a I'm a believer in DeAndre Swift I see a similar player a little bit smaller uh what are you doing what are you doing you you drafted DeAndre Swift early in the second round you just signed David Montgomery to a 3 year deal now you spend a high first round pick from over the course of the last 3 or 4 years this is an extremely high Gibbs going over where Najee Harris went, where Brees Hall went, where Javonta Williams went, Najee Harris, like any of those guys. What are you doing? Your defense is pathetic. And you passed over a ton of defensive players for another running back. What? It does not make sense to me from a team build perspective. It doesn't make sense to me from a play calling perspective. Like, what are, what are, you, what are you doing? So unless they know they have a suitor who's willing to give what they want for DeAndre Swift. This move makes zero sense to me. I hated it. I still hate it. When DeAndre Swift moves, I'm sure I'll love it. But right now I'm still, I'm still in shock and awe. So. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I'm the guy that says don't draft a a running back in the, in the top 20 picks, but here's, here's where I will, I'll say for lions fans, this, this is the deal. You didn't take him at six would have been awful. You moved down to 12 with the Cardinals and you got pick 34, um, which, you know, that, that definitely is essentially another first round pick. It's a very high second. And you got Jameer Gibbs plus that they possibly would have tried to move back even further, but there's not a guarantee that they would have landed Gibbs. And there's not a guarantee that they had a trade partner that was willing to trade up. Yes, I, I, I agree. I, I would have looked at the, the the cornerback position and I would have looked at some of the other positions because at 12 with three quarterbacks going so early, you still had a top 10 player on your board available and you chose to go with running back. And then, you know, you got pick 34 plus you're going to get some compensation for DeAndre Swift. I fully expect that Swift is going to demand a trade and the Lions could get maybe a Fifth round pick, sixth round pick. Maybe they get a pick this year, pick next year for DeAndre Swift. And uh, I said it on my short. DeAndre Swift was absolutely a loser day one. But I think day three, he can become a winner. And I think all of us that have had DeAndre Swift and are frustrated like Brad would love to see him go somewhere where he can be free, whether it's going to, you know, the Bengals, Miami, Kansas City, Philadelphia, somewhere where he can he can thrive because uh this guy is just he's he's not um he's definitely not uh in uh good good graces with the head coaching staff based on the way he's been treated over the last couple of years um 
Brad, I, before I go to the, the next picks, can you let us know a little bit about uh, our friends over there at Underdog Fantasy? Absolutely. We are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, and the NBA and NHL playoffs are here. And what better way to get down on some player prop parlays than over at Underdog Fantasy? Besides the daily NHL, NBA, and MLB games, they've also already got their NFL best ball drafts with a guaranteed half million dollar in prizes. So head over to underdogfantasy.com and use our promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com. Promo code SGPN. Yeah, and then so so the next we had was a while. We didn't see another another offensive receiver run. Yeah, until another offense fantasy football relevant position until we saw the wide receiver run, and it was fun because again, you want to argue draft capital with the quarterbacks. Not a huge difference between you know one, two, and four. We got 2021, 22, 23, four literally in a row. The Giants missed out on getting a receiver round one. What are your thoughts here? Is Jackson Smith and Jigba still your wide receiver one? No, and I'd flip flop back and forth between JSN and Jordan Addison, but the between just seeing what the Seahawks are doing is a very weird situation for me, right? Not only did they draft JSN, and I know Tyler Lockett's getting up in age and whatnot, and they've got DK Metcalf, but then they turn around and they take Zach Charbonnet in the second to pair with Kenneth Walker. There really is like, is the team trying to run or is the team trying to throw? Are they trying to do 50-50? Like, either of those situations, I don't like. And I just don't know that there's going to be the volume the way that Pete Carroll typically runs his offense. And now you add another dynamic back like Zach Charbonnet and you bring in JSN. I just don't think the upside is there with him in year one. Hell, even year two, to be quite frank. So, And then now you're running into Geno Smith contract timing and new quarterback and all that. Uh, so I, I'm not out on JSN, but because I had him and Addison in the same tier, I'm flip-flopping because Jordan Addison is the number two in that offense. I know they've got TJ Hawkinson, but even as good as TJ Hawkinson was in the in his after the trade to the Minnesota Vikings, it wasn't that target hog getting a hundred plus targets for the Minnesota Vikings when you add a guy like Jordan Addison. He's got the skill set. He's got the route running chops, which really looks like what Kevin O'Connell wants, right? When you think about what they've got in Justin Jefferson, and now they add a Jordan Addison. Uh, so I'm gonna. I'm, I've currently got Jordan Addison at number one and JSN number two. Yeah, and you know, year one until recently, wide receivers weren't really doing too much as far as fantasy football. Recently, we've been very spoiled, and our bar is now much higher than what it used to be. And so we're expecting guys to go out and do what Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave did, um, what Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase did. And I just don't know if I have expectations for anybody in this class because I don't think there is a Jamar, you know, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb in this class. I think there's a, a lot of wide receiver twos with you know, maybe potential develop into a one with Jackson Smith and Jigba. You're one. Yeah, it, you're not going to see a whole lot of production. Not only the with the running backs and them focusing on running the ball, which that's not really a new thing for Seattle. They had Marshawn Lynch, Chris Carson. They've always ran the ball a lot. You go back to Pete Carroll's days in USC, 
They ran the ball, a lot of play action. Whew. Got a little quarterback run going on right now. I, I see that. I see that. And, Stetson yeah. Bennett going off in the fourth round. What is what is yeah. happening? Jake Hayner went before Stetson Bennett. Yep. Um, so I'll say this. Be patient with JSN. If you're drafting him to, you know, as a championship piece, that's not gonna it's not gonna work out the way you want it to. But if you're drafting him for the long run, Tyler Lockett is what 32, 33 years old. I would not be surprised if the team moved on from Tyler Lockett as soon as next year. Um, and you could see a situation just like you have with Jordan Addison, where Adam Thielen's out of town. JSN's instantly the number one or number two on that offense. Obviously, DK Metcalf is there, um, but DK Metcalf, you know, he has Tyler Lockett's typically gotten, you know, his fair share of targets when he's there. Then you got Quentin Johnston going to a pristine landing spot, but he's another guy where you're going to have to wait a little bit. You have Keenan Allen there, Mike Williams is there. So both those top two guys go in and they're the third option. Then you have Zay Flowers going to the Ravens, another one that could be the third option. You got Rashad Bateman, you have Mark Andrews. They're, uh, I don't even know what's going on with Antonio Brown. Um, they have the DeAndre Hopkins conversation. Flowers could be the two. I could see him taking, you know, overtaking Bateman. Um, and, and if he operates in the slot, I like him for fantasy this year. And you look at Lamar Jackson's heat map, he does a lot better with those inside routes and throwing to the, the middle of the field. Um, Jordan Addison with Minnesota. Can you talk about that for a second, Brad? Yeah, I, I love that landing spot with Jordan Addison. I talked about it a little bit earlier. You've got a route running savant, quite possibly one of the best ones, if not the best route runner out of the group, going to a to me a premier landing spot where they've got just percent on one side. Now you can put Jordan Addison either in the slot or outside and operate, and he's going to win at all levels. He's a guy that went underneath guy that can win over the top, even though he doesn't have that blazing speed or anything like that. But what we've seen out of Kevin O'Connell's offense, Justin Jefferson is really able to stretch the field a little bit. He's getting those over-the-top runs. Uh, and Jordan Addison can really eat underneath with TJ Hawkinson going down the seam. I think it's a really good combination for the three of them. Kirk Cousins, we know, is very capable of carrying two wide receivers. Uh, so I think it's, a, like I said, a premier landing spot, and I'm pretty excited about Jordan Addison. I will add one thing that's interesting around uh, Quentin Johnston, and that's just the Chargers in general, right? In the fourth round, they just took his teammate from TCU. And if you look at the – now we can start to tie some of these things together a little bit. You got Kellen Moore, who spent his last few seasons in Dallas, in Texas – near TCU, where maybe he got to see some of these guys play real time uh, and a little bit more of a scouting view viewpoint from him. He comes in as the offensive coordinator for the Chargers and then adds Quentin Johnston and adds really the speedster in that TCU uh, offense in Darius Davis, who ran a 4.34 uh, 40-yard dash. So very interesting what Kellen Moore is doing uh, as the OC there. Yeah, and they got Josh Palmer there still as well. Um, and Gerald Everett. So, you know, I think Justin Herbert was a big winner um, with what they've done so far. And as long as Austin Eckler's still on the team, that's that's a pretty loaded offense. And I'm a I'm a bigger Kellen Moore fan than some people. DeAndre Swift got just got traded to the Eagles. Another Bulldog. The Philadelphia Bulldogs is trending. <laughs> and and uh, 
<laughs> That's insane. Oh, God, I'm so happy now. <laughs> I, I told you. Man. I, told, I hate it as a Giants fan. That is, ugh. Um, I haven't even gotten the news yet. Uh, so that's uh, breaking news. And so DeAndre yep. Swift going to the Eagles is just uh, the rich get richer. And, again, it's just funny because they're just – like they're picking Bulldogs as a joke at this point. Um, but they just literally traded for one, and I'm sure that Rich Eisen's going to have fun with it. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm – I've always I've been like one A one B with Addison and JSN and and I think you know I think people are still going to be higher on JSN they're going to stick to their takes but I I do think some people are going to look at Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison and think about them as the the number ones because of they're being tied you know not only the the opportunity for Addison but um, the being tied to Justin Herbert for Quentin Johnston and you know some people had Johnston as their two or three already. Uh, Dalton Kincaid was the number one uh, tight end off the board. And uh, the Bills were in the market, you know, just like the Giants for receivers, but they didn't make any trades up. And uh, they got Dalton Kincaid, who's essentially a slot. And so you can see some more 12 personnel out of Buffalo, but you're going to see Dalton Kincaid lined up in the slot outside of the formation quite a bit. The way they use him, uh, the way they're going to use him is not going to be like your traditional tight end. And they shouldn't. You shouldn't, you know, like Kyle Pitts, you shouldn't take Kyle Pitts and say, "I want you to be an inline blocker." Um, Dalton Kincaid is is not as good of a a run blocker as Dawson Knox is, and he's going to have to develop that part of his game. But he is a much better receiving option than Dawson Knox, and he's going to go out there and and add. Really, what we talked about is a missing piece for Josh Allen, and I would not be shocked if he competes with Gabriel Davis for number two in targets, and I wouldn't be shocked if the Buffalo Bills didn't add another receiver um i love what they did no offensive linemen aren't on your uh, fantasy team but i was happy to see them get osiris torrance um that's a huge fill for that offensive line josh allen was running for his life that last game of the season and they could not he couldn't find a receiver because he was running for his life and getting sacked so much and i I think they had to address that offensive line to be able to help the other pieces of that offense and uh, james cook James Cook is surviving so far. I was I was really thinking like, you know, some of these other players that are still on the board could still go there. But, you, you know, you, he's, he's dodged the first, you know, eight or nine running back bullets. Another Georgia uh, so, Bulldog. Another Georgia Bulldog. <laughs> and so let's go. Look, I, I haven't been a Kincaid hater, but I've had Mayer over him the entire pre-draft process just because of the full three down skill set. I will say there were two landing spots where I said I will jump over Michael Mayer. One was the Dallas Cowboys, which we'll get to who they drafted uh, here in the second round. And then the other one was the Buffalo Bills. And it's because he is, to me, the clear number two. Gabriel Davis, they they don't just they don't give him the volume to be a number two. I think Don Kincaid is going to step in immediately and he's going to be that guy. So he, he's he got to be the tight end one for everybody at this point. And it's, I don't know that it's really a question. Yeah. And Gabriel Davis really struggled to stay healthy. Uh, so uh, you got Will Levis that fell, uh, fell hard and uh, he left town, didn't have to wait too long, second round to be picked, but he still was not there for it. A um, little disappointment for uh, Will Levis stands as well as Will Levis himself, but he gets a pretty good landing spot to potentially you know, to compete with Malik Willis for the uh, the Titans quarterback, you know, position next year. 
Um, what are your thoughts on Will Levis going here? Drop does it drop him out of your first round? Uh, most likely. Yeah. I think him and hooker both just with the draft capital, even though they got landing spots that we really liked, we were kind of hoping those landing spots were going to be earlier in the draft. Right. Uh, we talked about that first round draft capital. If they got that, how we'd be moving him and hooker up, but with the fall in Will Levis, I do think it's beneficial for him, right? There's a lot of criticism around the growth that he needs to take. I think it might humble him a little bit, which is also needed. Uh, he because he does have a, a tad bit of arrogance to him as well, so that might uh, put him in check a little bit. But being able to go and play behind a quarterback that they don't they don't need to feel rushed to get him in. And if you go back to our Will Levis pre-draft review back in February, I comped him to Ryan Tannehill. He's a very similar quarterback, has those legs. So I think the transition will be pretty fluid for him. And being able to just sit and watch that offense a little bit, see how he operates and be able to learn for a year before he needs to come in is, is really good for him. Uh, so he, he does drop out of the first round of rookie drafts for me, uh, to really the top end of the second round. I can't, I can't justify spending a first on him right now, though. Yeah. There's just not a lot of examples of second round quarterbacks that pan out. I know, you know, Andy Dalton, Jalen Hurts and, and Derek Carr. Um, but Jalen, Jalen Hurts has been the only one that's really been a, a top fantasy producer. Derek Carr and Andy Dalton have been kind of like your, that's like your baseline for average. Um, cool kids call it mid. Um, so uh, the trade terms, the Eagles get DeAndre Swift and a seventh round pick, pick 249 for a fourth round pick in 2025 and a seventh round pick, 2000, uh, pick 219. So they move up, move back 30 spots in the seventh round and give a fourth round pick for DeAndre Swift. They essentially get him for free and the rest of the NFL. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing <laughs> to allow that to happen? I'm a, I'm a Giants, Giants I would be curious how big of a, I mean, the, the Eagles already had to have had really good Super Bowl odds prior to the draft. But now post-draft, walking away with Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter, and now adding DeAndre Swift, uh, they added a wide receiver. Like, how are they not just I mean, it's got to be a huge gap between them and the Kansas City Chiefs for a Super Bowl this year now. Like, yeah. absolutely nuts. They they uh, they have to uh, – if they can keep all these guys and big personalities in check, they're, you know, there's a lot of off-the-field stuff with Jalen Carter and Keely, yep. and Keely, you know, Keely Ringo. And, yep. and uh, But if they can keep that in check and DeAndre Swift stays healthy, this is going to be a pretty nasty team. And, uh, you know, Rashad Penny, he's, he's a good running back when he's healthy. Um, so him and Swift's a pretty nasty tandem. So um, then you had you had Sam Laporta and Michael Mayer right there back-to-back -back in the second round. And second-round draft capital for a tight end is good draft capital. It's not the same thing for a quarterback, but it is a good thing for tight ends. And, uh, you know, it's, this is three tight ends earlier than we saw any tight end last year's class. So what are your thoughts about Laporta going to the Lions? I, I like the landing spot for Laporta, but I go back to questioning, like, Detroit, what are what are you doing? It doesn't. You had T.J. Hawkinson. You trade him away just to turn around and draft Sam Laporta in the second round. The following, like I just here, I'm going to make it make those, sense. I'm going to make what, it make sense for you. So it's all about money. And T.J. Hawkinson cost a lot. Of, what, how much T.J. Hawkinson get paid? 
Uh, I don't. I don't know off the top of my head. I a mean, he was a first money. round pick, so he was he was still on his rookie deal. They didn't give him an extension, did they? Yeah, he got an extension. So, um, did he get an extension he, he, there? When he, yeah, when he, well, he's gonna have to get paid at some point, but I'm pretty sure he already got extended. Right. And that's that's why you yeah, make that move. Yeah. He did. Yeah. That's that's why you I make mean, that. I mean, they move. didn't pay him that much. Four year, nineteen million. That's the that was Detroit. That's his rookie contract. Right. That's what I'm saying. He didn't get he didn't get paid again. He has not been paid again yet. Well, he's he's about to. And so yeah. he's his he's on his contract. So yeah. he, four year 19 million, that's his that that's not what he's gonna get paid. He's gonna get 12 nope. million a year. Probably. And that's that's why you make that move. If you're you're looking at all these receivers, you know, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to you know, you know Jared Goff, you're gonna have to make a decision to make. Um, that they had they had the most they had the most expensive offensive line going into the season last year. Not offensive line, offense going yep. into last year. And, and did, so, they, did they make the playoffs with the most expensive? I mean, they almost All did. Those playmakers, they, they, they almost, they almost did, did, but they didn't because their defense is terrible. Like, well, what are you doing? I mean, I, they. I got you. I got you. <laughs> But the reason that guys make these moves is, is money is a lot of times. And you're you're if you're not wanting to pay the tight end position a lot of money, you're going to have to make a trade. And they got multiple players, not just one player. It wasn't Sam Laporta for TJ Hawkinson. So yeah, I think well, that's and, being and, lost and in this, this little argument. For Laporta, it's good, right? When you look at the opportunity he's going to have there, especially with Jamison Williams now out for the first six games, uh, because of gambling on college games, which is very odd that that now gets you suspended or gets you suspended, period. But we won't get into that. He's going to step into a role in that offense. We saw how TJ Hawkinson could produce there. I think you're going to see a very similar thing with Sam Laporta. The dude's got probably the best hands out of the tight ends in general uh, out of this class. So I, th I think it's a pretty good landing spot from a fantasy perspective for Sam Laporta. And you've got a guy in Jared Goff who's not afraid to just sling it, you know. So uh, it's not necessarily what Dan Campbell does. So maybe the volume is not quite there that you would look for. But we've always talked about tight ends not being somebody that you look at producing in year one or really even year two. It's year three and beyond. Yeah, and so I, I like the move, and I think for Laporta, he's another guy that you really got to project. This is an Iowa offense that was awful, and so um, you know he's he's another guy that he does have that you know three down skill set. And uh, like let's let's be honest, like Kincaid's going to be on on the field. He's not going to be taken off on third downs. Um, but as far as you know, Laporta and, and Mayer, they are better blockers, and you know you hope that that doesn't hurt them that they're on the field for 90% of the time, but they're only running, you know, uh, 50 routes a game. Um, and, uh, you know, you have, you have Michael Mayer goes to Dallas. What do you think about him going to the Cowboys? Uh, he went to Raiders, right? Shoemaker Raiders. went Sorry, to Raiders. Dallas. Raiders. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was my mind trend. Went to the Raiders. It's, it's an opening, right? I mean, they've got Devontae Adams. They've got Hunter Renfro. Um, I think it's a good landing spot for him, a vacated Darren Waller with quite a few targets uh, in the games that he played. Now, he is totally a different type of player than what they had in Darren Waller. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how um, Josh McDaniels utilizes him versus kind of the game plan when they had a Darren Waller. And if you think about what, you know, his experience was in New England, it was that 
bigger, more athletic type of tight end. Uh, and I'm not going to relate him to Gronkowski or anything like that, but this is gonna, it's going to be interesting to see what Josh McDaniels does with Michael Mayer. This is another one of those situations, like you said, with Dalton Kincaid, like, hey, look, he's not a great blocker, but he's probably not going to come off on third down because he's so explosive. Michael Mayer is not going to come off the field. He's going to play 90-plus percent of snaps most likely. But the problem is exactly what you said. The route participation may not be that great because when you look at what they did with Josh Jacobs last year, 300, you know, 300 plus carries that's on the table again it, it is what's the opportunity going to be there for him. Now, on the flip side of that, the nice thing is Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Jimmy Garoppolo has historically been known to target his tight ends. So I think that'll be beneficial for Michael Mayer. And it comes out as kind of a, a wash. He is still going to be my tight end too uh, after the draft. And Sam Laporta is, is currently tight end three for me. So. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much how it shakes out for me. I mean, I never was a big Washington guy. I think he was, you know, he's another guy that's not going to have a whole bunch of routes run, a whole bunch of targets. Um, but Washington's got that knee injury. That is definitely a concern. So uh, let's go down the board a little bit. We had, you know, more offensive weapons go. And Jonathan Mingo is a guy that we've been talking about on the show as a riser. And he ends up getting really good draft capital. He is a fifth receiver off the board. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. He goes to the Carolina Panthers with Bryce Young. What are your thoughts about Jonathan Mingo and how high has he moved up your board? Yeah, he's moved quite a bit. And, you know, after all the pre-draft hype around how, you know, we think this guy might be a first or second rounder, uh, you know, I was working through our metric system and trying to get that lined out. And he actually came out as the fifth best wide receiver uh, in the metric system and was drafted as the fifth wide receiver off the board. So so it lined up pretty nice. Uh, the indicators are all there that he can be successful at the next level uh, when you look historically, both from an athletic profile and a production standpoint. Um, and when I say production, that production doesn't mean he's gone out and put up 1,300-yard seasons. It's all about yards per route run catch percentage, things like that, those metrics that will translate over to the next level. And he he really did look to cover all of those things while he was at Ole Miss. Uh, and he's going into a situation where really the competition is pretty open. You got Terrace Marshall there. You got Shai Smith there. You got Jonathan Mingo now. What does that wide receiver room look like? Who it turns out to be the alpha? And I think Jonathan Mingo, both profiles from a size perspective and from a production perspective, be able to be that alpha uh, for CJ Stroud, or I'm sorry, for Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. With, uh, you know, with Bryce Young, you know, one of the concerns was, you know, he, he they patchworked together, uh, a, you know, an, an offense for him. And then the only one that really was under contract past this year was Miles Sanders. Um, and, and then you trade away his best, you know, best receiver DJ Moore. So you get DJ Chark in there as a one-year guy. You bring Jonathan Mingo. So you get your inside guy as far as Jonathan Mingo, your outside guy in Chark. You got Hayden Hurst, and then you got Adam Thielen. It's not not a bad, you know, a bad offense to start to see. You know, to start off his his uh, you know, his his rookie year. And we expect Bryce Young to start pretty immediately. They have Andy Dalton there, and Dalton might you know, he might start a game or two. But I, I don't expect too much. I really expect them to get Bryce Young going pretty early. And, uh, you know, we'll see. But Jonathan Mingo there, um, you know, he, he operates out of the slot. 
He's a, a big possession receiver. He looks like a you know an outside guy, um, but he plays in the inside, and then he's got blazing speed. He was the fastest uh, player to track last year, almost 22 miles an hour. So uh, we got another tight end off the board, Luke Musgrave. Um, I know I've been a little higher on him than you have with his landing spot and his draft capital. Have you moved him up the board, or where do you got him? Uh, I did for about a day. Uh, and then I watched Green Bay take Tucker Craft in the third round. I'm like, wait a minute, what, what, what are we, what are we doing here? Uh, so now, now there's questions for me as to obviously, yeah, they spent the higher draft capital on Luke Musgrave. They're going to give him more of the opportunity. Uh, but with less than a round, with less than 32 picks difference between these two folks, now it becomes a question of, okay, they're close enough that. Let's say Tucker Craft comes in and balls out during training camp, during rookie mini camp. They're not going to hesitate to put him in over Luke Musgrave, right? Luke Musgrave had some injury issues while he was in college. Is he going to be able to overcome those? Uh, so I was excited initially because he's going in, he was going into a situation where outside of Christian Watson, who is the number two target? Is it Romeo Dobbs? Could it be Luke Musgrave? Uh, I, Yes, it could have been, but now with Tucker Craft, it muddies the waters a little bit, and most likely I will not be drafting him uh, in rookie drafts at all, to be quite frank. And maybe that's an over-exaggeration, but I I'll let somebody else uh, take that shot in the dark. Yeah, I mean, maybe not taking him in the second round, but not drafting him at all. Uh, that That's, for me, it's, it's uh, that's too much of an overcorrection. Remember the, the Ravens, uh, they drafted – you had Hayden Hurst and Hayden Mark, Hurst, Andrews. Mark Andrews. Yep. And Mark Andrews ended up being the better player. Um, and then in this, you know, this scenario, you don't have a first round pick, but you have a pretty, pretty high second round pick. And I think this just tells you they're going to run more 12 personnel now with Aaron Rodgers out of there. They're going to run the ball a lot with Jordan Love and do a lot of that play action I pass. Think these and, guys are blockers, though. Well, I mean, you're still gonna when you have 12 personnel, it's not, you know, six line or eight linemen out there. It's usually one is blocking, one's, one's going out. And so if you got Mercedes Lewis on one side and you got the one of these guys on the other, plus you you, you can play a little bit of this, uh, you know, slot receivers. Um, you have Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, and, uh, you know, with what they're doing for Jordan Love, I'd like to see it. Um, you didn't get a first-round receiver, which is, you know, death taxes and the, and the Packers don't draft the first-round receiver. We expected that. But they were also, you know, able to, you know, get some weapons for for Jordan Love, and I think, uh, you know, I think stock is up for him um, after this draft, seeing, you know, seeing what they're doing, and uh, you know, let's let's all be honest here. If anyone's expecting a, a rookie tight end to go out there and produce for them year one, that they're uh, really setting themselves up for some some failure. Um, the next the, the next guy off the board would be Jaden Reed, who also went to the Green Bay Packers. And I, we've been talking again about Jaden Reed as one of the guys that's really, really been moving up the boards. And he really, uh, Michigan State falling flat on their face this year, hurt him a lot. Uh, he was a guy that had an extremely good 2021 season and then not a great 2022 season. What are your thoughts about Jaden Reed going to the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, I mean, it's a good possession guy, I think, for them, right? So they got Christian Watson who can stretch the field. Uh, now, uh, you know, Jaden Reed can fill that kind of secondary receiver to move the chains a little bit. 
which is really a lot of what he did uh, in his time at Michigan State. He wasn't this explosive down the field kind of guy or anything like that. So I think it fits the mold of what they may be looking to do, especially when you look at these explosive tight ends that they brought in, right? These tight ends are not going to be guys that they have running drag routes uh, or out routes on, uh, you know, on third down to try to get them a first down. I think that's where Jaden Reed can really eat a little bit uh, and be able to produce some numbers just from a receptions total perspective. But I think the touchdown upside with him is probably going to be capped because he's definitely not going to be the most explosive player player by a long shot really anymore at this point for the Green Bay Packers. And and uh, you think Jaden Reed's not going to be an explosive player? I, I don't. I don't believe so. No, I don't. Okay. Um, and speed is, you know, one of the, the big things with him. Uh, Romeo Dobbs is not really a, a speed guy. Christian Watson is. Um, and then obviously you have these, uh, you know, these athletic tight ends, um, you know, to kind of go away from, you know, having some of these um, more blocking type of tight ends. Reed's not a, a he's not a bigger uh, receiver, not like Christian Watson is. Um, but, you know, a lot of his, a lot of his plays were, you know, either deep down the field or big plays. Yeah, I mean, his A dot was eleven. That's not anything special from a from a college perspective. Uh, his yards after the catch is pretty low. His yards per route run is very low. Uh, so I, I, you know, I don't see the metrics. And can he be a deep threat? I mean, sure, anybody could be a deep threat in the right situation, but that's not where I believe he's going to be utilized. Yeah, I think we're saying two different things. I'm not saying he's going to be a, a deep threat, get getting the ball 30 yards down the field, Marquise Brown. Uh, Michigan State's offense also doesn't do that. Yep. Um, but I think, you know, as far as explosive player, he's someone that does a lot of the under, under underneath stuff that can take it to the house. And you see it with the bubble screens and you see it with the, the slants and things like that. And, and that's one of the reasons he went so high. Um, and very similar to Jonathan Mingo. I mean, Jonathan Mingo is – one of the fastest players in this draft. He also had an A dot of like two. Uh, he was he was not targeted down the field whatsoever. And part of that's due to the offense, but part of it's just where, you know, where he played. Speaking of low A dot, Rasheed Rice went to the Kansas City Chiefs. And so what do you think about him? Everyone, you know, dream landing spot for every player is the Kansas City Chiefs. What are your thoughts here with, with Rasheed Rice going here, number 55 overall? Uh, I mean, there was like a four-game stretch uh, last season where everybody was really excited about Juju, right? He was getting 9, 10, 11 targets over like a four-game stretch in the middle of the season. And I think that's where you're going to be looking at Rasheed Rice. Now, they're different players in their entirety, right? Rasheed Rice is going to – he is not a speedy guy, but he can create a little bit of separation at the top of his routes. He's got – you know, he can do contested catches, but he's very inconsistent with it. Uh, I think that's the role they were looking for out of this draft. When you look at what they've got on that roster currently, they have that speed guy in Skymore. They've got that quick twitch player in Kadarius Tony. They still have Travis Kelsey. Uh, they've got Isaiah Pacheco as kind of that pounding back in between the tackles type of deal. So I think that is a he's a role player in that offense that I think is going to fill in just fine. But I can. I don't know that I want any of these guys on my fantasy team. And that sounds really weird when you talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, because you should want Patrick Mahomes. The problem is he is not the Patrick Mahomes who is just heavily targeting Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill anymore. 
He's heavily tar- targeting Travis Kelsey, and then he's distributing the ball. And, and he is a master at that, right? We saw that transition last year with the lack of weapons, and I think that's going to continue here. And it's just one of those situations where it's like, well, who's it going to be this week? Is it going to be Kadarius Tony? Is it going to be Sky Moore? Is it going to be MVS? Is it going to be Rasheed Rice? We don't really know. Uh, so I, I'm tempered, right, just like I was with Rasheed Rice to begin with. I'm not skyrocketing him up boards or anything like that. He's going to stay pretty steady for me. Yeah, and they, they've changed their offense quite a bit the last couple of years. You know, teams adjusted to take the top off, and they had to adjust. And they spread the ball out a lot more. And really, it's Travis Kelsey, and then everybody else gets, you know, whatever's left over. Yep. And they run the ball quite a bit in Kansas City. I think people forget how often they run the ball. Um, they used two, you know, two running backs, and uh, both running backs were, you know, getting quite a few touches. And so um, just not a lot – of, you know, heavily targeted receivers consistently on the Chiefs, you know, minus, you know, of course, uh, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and Um, in the background, like, and this is just me from probably the Bears days letting it cloud my judgment. Like, Matt Nagy is calling plays for the Kansas City Chiefs now. So I'm like, oh, man. And I know from a play-calling perspective, he was much better than he was as a head coach. It's just that recency bias for me is – tempering expectations from just some explosive playmaker on the Kansas city chiefs outside of Travis Kelsey. Yeah. And I think even, you know, when the enemy was there, um, you know, we saw a lot of the, the passing game work was, was still, still Andy Reed. Yep. And uh, as far as the next, the next uh, tight end off the board, it's one of your favorite guys, Luke Schoonmaker goes to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, what are your thoughts there? The Cowboys now have Brandon cooks, Michael Gallup, uh, and C.D. Lamb now at Schoonmaker with uh, Peyton Hendershot and uh, the other tight ends. Yeah, I, I like it. I, I really like the landing spot. They know, hey, with Dalton Schultz out of town, we want that guy. Now, you've got three pretty decent, not like these crazy explosive athletes uh, between Hendershot and Schoonmaker, and I'm drawing a blank, and I don't know why. Me too. I can, um, think of who it is. Uh, but I do think, you know, Schoomaker was starting to move up my draft board at the tight end position. The more I watched, the more I read, uh, and this just solidifies my perception of what I think he can be. Uh, again, I don't think he's going to be a Luke Musgrave type of athleticism guy or anything like that, but I do think because of the landing spot and the situation and the athletic ability that he does have, and the fact that he's really not being pushed by a current tight end on that roster. I do think he's a guy that I'm going to be looking at in the late third round, uh, mid to late third round that I'm, I'm okay with. Yeah. And, you know, you saw, you know, Daniel Bellinger last year kind of slid into a, a starting role and this is something that could happen here with Schoonmaker. And again, temper your expectations for all rookies. I mean, really the running backs are kind of the only position that takes off year one. Um, you know, a lot of these, you know, receivers um, recently, like I said, they've really spoiled us. But typically you're going to see moderate production from receivers year one and tight ends. You barely see anything. Um, not don't want to spend too much time, but Brenton Strange got good draft capital. He's kind of a combo tight end. Use him kind of like Kyle used check uh, a little bit of uh, a Swiss Army knife comes out of the backfield as well as, you know, can do a lot of the you know the drag routes and 
and all those things. But uh, fun player out of Penn State. I really liked him. I had him higher than a lot of people. And uh, I was get, glad to see him go um, early. But Jacksonville is not the ideal landing spot with you know, Evan Ingram there and potentially working on a long-term deal. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I don't have him. It's, it was a eh, kind of pick for me. Yeah, so this one is interesting because, you know, one of the things that Russell Wilson really does well, and he really did it well in Seattle, was play-action pass. And you need someone on the other side that can be that deep ball, good ball tracking, speed threat. And they got Marvin Mims to match that, to be the, we'll call it a Tyler Lockett type for that offense. I've never been a KJ Hamler guy, so I didn't see him in that role. And Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, that's just not that they don't have that really in their bag. Pretty interesting pick here at the end of the second round. What do you think about Marvin Mims going to Seattle or going to Denver? I like it a lot. I mean, you could see they weren't really happy with Cortland Sutton's performance. You saw Jerry Judy start to come on in the back half of the season. They've got that field stretcher at the tight end position. Uh, and Greg Dolchik. So I, I think Marvin Mims adds a little bit um, of a similar skill set, but more speed of a Jerry Judy, right? So Marvin Mims is actually a pretty solid route runner from that perspective. Now he's not a technician like Jerry Judy or anything like that, but he does bring speed to the game as well, which is an element that I think they were kind of missing. If you really think about it, Jerry Judy's not that speed guy. Colin Sutton was not that speed guy. He's more that contested catch guy. So it adds a little bit to that offense where, you know, does he fill a Tyler Lockett type of role for Russell Wilson, where, you know, very similar size, kind of a similar skill set. Russell Wilson gets pressured, rolls out, and boom, he can hit Marvin Mims down the field on a, on a long touchdown pass because he, he's he got the speed to take the top off that defense and, and make plays uh, on the fly. So I, I really like the landing spot and the opportunity for Marvin Mims. I wish it would have been a little bit earlier, but I'm I'm okay with third round draft capital for them. Yeah, he was still one of the you know one of the top receivers taken off the board. There just I'm wasn't sorry, second round draft capital, not third. Yeah, there, there just wasn't a lot of receivers uh, that that went. Um, we saw more receivers, uh, actually more tight ends than we did running backs through the first three rounds, and we saw um, just as many uh, tight ends and receivers in the first two rounds, but a little bit more receivers actually. Um, but as far as you know, Cortland Sutton. Do you think there's any chance that the Broncos move on from him this offseason? No, I don't think so. I think they need that piece. I think he's a piece that they need. They need that true alpha type of uh, size profile to be on the outside. He does have that contested catch capability if he can stay healthy. Uh, so I do think it adds something to their offense. Now, I don't think they're going to re-sign him after this season by any shape of the imagination. But it doesn't make sense for me to me for them to move on to him because – Tim Pat, if Tim Patrick was healthy all year last year, then I, maybe. But coming off of his ACL, I just there's nobody to fill that role right now. So I, I don't think there's a world where they move away. Yeah, and and that that could be the case. Tim Patrick did tear his ACL early enough where he's going to be back for training camp, and he's it wasn't at you know week eighteen kind of an injury, so he's he's you know he should be recovered and ready to go by training camp. But yeah, I love the Marvin Mims pick. I was a little sad because as a Giants fan, I was just hoping he would fall a little bit further. Um, let's go to the third round. This uh, this day three is, is going pretty fast. And we're seeing a lot of quarterbacks. I, you know, I did some research and 10 quarterbacks on average are drafted in, you know, the in the NFL draft for the last 10 years. 
And this year I was like, we're going to see more. And it's the Brock Purdy effect. Like people are going to, they'd rather take a shot on a quarterback instead of just like letting Chase Daniels be your backup for the next 10 years with no upside uh, of, of anything like that. And, you know, take a shot on these guys. So, um, you know, for this round, the first guy off the board, it was Hennon Hooker. Um, he goes to Detroit Lions. Interesting, interesting spot. Um, the draft capital stinks getting him in the third round. Um, but an interesting spot. Jared Goff is a he's a free agent in 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 two years. Is it next year or two years? Yeah, I'm gonna pull it up real quick. And the they Lions can get out, they can save a lot of money next year, I know. Yeah. yeah, they can save a lot of money. And if they have to have the decision on whether they want to pay Jared Goff that $40 million a year or not, they have Hendon Hooker there. And it really didn't cost him much with that third round pick. Um, it might be one of the picks they got. They got a, they got a second and a third round pick for TJ Hawkinson. Might be you know part of that Hawkinson deal. Um, and, and you get Hendon Hooker, who's, you know, was my number three quarterback going into the draft. Um, some people had him at three. Some people had him at five. Um, but he goes off as the fifth quarterback um, in your super flex drafts third round. Going higher? Um, no, I'd still be I'd still be okay taking him in the mid to late second. Uh, mainly because I just don't think they're going to pay. Jared Goff is not going to demand the amount of money that I think he wants. Right? He he's oh he's getting paid thirty million dollars this year. He gets $32 million next year. They can save twenty six. dollars uh, Look, Hennon Hooker, when you look metrically speaking, and the DGEN score that we're rolling out, uh, hopefully today, I was hoping it'd get out yesterday during the draft, but it didn't. Uh, he came out as the number one quarterback from a metric perspective. I'm not saying he is our QB1 or anything like that. But this dude, metrically speaking, is a beast, and he looked good. Now there is that context around the Tennessee Volunteers offense and how they play and all that but I did we really liked him cut through the pre-draft process what liked what we saw on tape and I think there's a, a very good chance that he is the starting quarterback for the Detroit Lions going into the 2024 NFL season so I'm comfortable with that assumption taking him in the back end of the second and talk about an like you got that offense in Tennessee with some speed so at Jameer Gibbs you got Jamison Williams. I'm on Ra. And, yep. and then you got Amon Ra St. Brown. I mean, this is a, it's an interesting, uh, interesting situation. Um, if, you know, if he were to get that position, the next guy off the board was Tank Dell. And just to, to give just a backtrack a little bit. So our top five quarterbacks were Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, one, two, and four. Will Levis was a second round pick, pick 33, and then Hennon Hooker, 68. In the first three rounds, we saw one, two, three, four, five, six, seven running backs go off the board. Bijan Robinson at eight, Jameer Gibbs at 12, Zach Charbonnet at pick 52. They have Kendra Miller went at 74, Tajay Spears 81. They had Devin A. Chain at 84, and 88 was Tank Bigsby. Receiver draft capital. Number one was JSN at 22, was, was Quentin Johnston at 21, Jordan Addison at 22. And then Zay Flowers at 23 was your fourth. Fifth receiver off the board, Jonathan Mingo. Sixth receiver is Jaden Reed. Then you have Rasheed Rice at seven, Marvin Mims at eight, Tank Dell at nine, then Jalen Hyatt at 10. So let's talk about Tank Dell going to Houston Texans. This has been one of the most boring, bland offenses in the NFL for a long time. Now they got C.J. Stroud. They got Tank Dell. 
You got John Mechie, Dalton Schultz. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I like it. I, I just wonder if you got kind of not clones, but very similar skill sets in that speed guy between Mechie and Dell. So, uh, you know, maybe they're not as comfortable with where Mechie is at in his recovery and his reconditioning and all of that is what they would like. Uh, you got Nico Collins playing kind of that bigger X style receiver. Uh, Dalton Schultz with those under the underneath, you know, kind of contested catch type of routes because he's not creating a bunch of separation or anything like that. He's a chain mover. Uh, but what we've seen from CJ Stroud is his ability to throw the long ball and do it very accurately. So, uh, you know, maybe they are just trying to stretch that defense out a little bit to allow Damian Pierce to be able to run with a little bit less than eight men in the box every single time he touches the ball uh, as a running back. But I do like what they're starting to build. I just would have rather seen a a different style of wide receiver here uh, with some of the other guys on the board uh, with Cedric Tillman available. Josh Downs was available. Jalen Hyatt was available. Um, You know, some of these other wide receivers that we saw go soon after Tank. Uh, I would have liked to have seen because of the different profile for the Houston Texans. Yeah. And you got to remember, this is the San Francisco uh, Kyle Shanahan style of offense there. There's not going to be a lot of passes deep down the field. There's going to be more crossing routes, more under the knee stuff. And, you know, you have John Mechie and Tank Dell. That's true. Yeah. John Mechie's a, you know, more of a slot receiver uh, and, and Tank Dell. He played outside, but his size projects him to move inside a little bit. You could see him more of a catch and run specialist. And at the senior bowl, everyone asked, who's the toughest guy to cover? Tank. I mean, this this guy was literally uncoverable to the point where the guy from the senior bowl said I had to stop playing Tank Dell highlights because the DB, the DB's agents were calling me. And they were like, stop making my guy look bad. And he's like, all right. But Tank Dell was just putting guys on skates. Um, and and uh, you know, little Brandon Cooks type of a player goes there to, to Houston. Um, I, it was funny cause I actually had him mock draft to go to the Niners. Um, but, uh, he goes to Houston in that similar, uh, system and, uh, they have Nico Collins as well. Left him out. Uh, so Kendra Miller goes to the, the saints. And so big, powerful running back, um, can run, you know, can, can catch good pass blocker. Um, you have Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, now Kendra Miller's there. Do you think that's going to make him a value in your drafts? I don't know. I think in some it can. Um, But I think most people who are in Dynasty are able to look at things and say, okay, Alvin Kamara most likely is going to be a cut candidate next offseason. Jamal Williams is not a long-term answer. So Kendra Miller might be the guy come next year. Uh, And because of that, it may solidify kind of where his range was, right? It was like that early to mid second round pick uh, is what we saw in mock drafts. So I think that's that uh, that value is going to hold, I believe, based on the landing spot and the situation with Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams. Yeah. And you're looking at the fourth running back off the board. And so very good draft capital as far as where he got, you know, got picked and, like one thing I'll say, and I've been preaching draft capital all offseason, there's there's got to be a sweet spot between rounds three and four, and you have to give the running backs a little bit of grace because of the way the NFL treats them. You literally have the fourth running back off the board 
in the third round. And that's not really an indictment on them. It's just such a, a unless you're the Lions or the Falcons, a, a suppressed position. Um, we saw guys like Brees Hall, who in the 1970s would have been number one overall going the second round. And in the 1980s, Jonathan Taylor, you know, Mike Dicka would have would have sold his wife to go get that pick. And he went in the second round. DeAndre Swift went in the second round. I mean, great running backs. Nick Chubb went in the second round. And it's yeah. not because they're a second-round player or the 50th best player. It's because of the positional value. And uh, Your boy yeah. just became a Cleveland Browns, side note. DTR did. I saw that. And my, my boy Clayton Toon went right before him. So I was yeah. very happy to see that. So then, you know, and we everyone knows I've been a big Tennessee fan this offseason. Jalen Hyatt went to my Giants, and I, I was pretty I was pretty excited about the pick, considering I was a little sad we didn't get Marvin Mims. The Giants this offseason said they want to get faster. So what did they do? They added Darren Waller, they added Paris Campbell, and now they added Jalen Hyatt. And they also got a new starting center with John Michael Schmitz. As a Giants fan, I'm happy. For fantasy, I think that Jalen Hyatt is a great fit for what they're looking for. They do have a whole bunch of slot receivers, but this guy offers something a little bit different because of his speed. He is a Deshaun Jackson, Will Fuller type of a player. What are your thoughts on Jalen Hyatt going to the Giants? Does he uh, is he a mid-second round pick for you? Yeah, I think that's where it stays. And that's kind of where we've seen him go. You know, he he trickled down a little bit, right? Early on in the draft cycle, he was more in that late first. And we saw him kind of trickle down a little bit as, as people got their boards built and all that. And I think that's a pretty solid spot for him, right? The upside that he can give you in that early to mid second is pretty solid when you think about what the Giants have right now. And none of them are these speedster guys like Jalen Hyatt. Now, I know Paris Campbell profiled as that down-the-field guy at Ohio State, but since he's been in the league, he's been more that low A-dot, give it to him underneath and try to work some magic there. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Isaiah Hodgins, that bigger, taller receiver. Wondell Robinson, definitely the slot kind of underneath guy. Uh, So while you do have guys who ran really fast 40s, on that squad, I don't think they're really comparable from a play style perspective. So I think Hyatt is going to bring that field stretching capability that some of these other players don't necessarily do. So I do like the fit for him. I just don't know that it's going to be consistent enough to be, you know, what we would like to see from a, a, a wide receiver. And, and I think for me, the biggest winner out of this is uh, is Daniel Jones. Um, you look at Daniel Jones as someone that, uh, you know, he was he's borderline uh, QB one in dynasty formats. Now, now with the quarterbacks, maybe he slides out of the top 12, but this puts him solidly in that top 15, top 13 range where you, now you have him having adding Darren Waller, getting re-signed. And then you have Jalen Hyatt added and then the offensive line help. So um, let's, let, let's, let's continue down the board. Hopefully, hopefully you have time for this, Brad. Tucker Craft at 78, I would have liked him to go to a different spot, but I think, you know, one of these tight ends is probably going to work out. Two out of two out of the top five or six tight ends on most people's boards go to the Packers, and uh, obviously the Packers trying to address the weapons, address the, the tight end position. They took two bites at the apple. What do you think about Tucker Craft here? Is he someone that, 
you going to take a, a shot on him in the fourth round? If if I've got a fourth round in a rookie draft, yeah, I am. But this is another one of those, like, me as a fantasy football player and not a real NFL GM, I'm looking at him saying, okay, Packers, you idiots. You drafted a tight end early on. You're staring at Josh Downs here, and you go with another tight end? Like, what? Like, the only thing that makes sense is kind of what you were talking about. Like, okay, they just want to run 12 personnel all the time. But if you're going to do that, wouldn't you think one of those guys would be at least somewhat decent at blocking? Like, I just, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. He's got, I'm going to take the value tight end, right? People are going to draft Luke Musgrave early. I'm going to take that Tucker Craft shot later on, like you said, in the fourth round or as an undrafted rookie free agent in my squad. So um, just because you don't really know which one's going to come out on top, so I'm going to take the cheaper one. You're muted, bud. Sorry, we got kids home on Saturdays. And so um, we got some running backs that went off the board. And so this one I'm a little nervous about. Oh, it was Skip Cedric Tillman. I don't want to skip Cedric Tillman. And so Cedric Tillman goes to Tennessee. He's clearly the number two option already. Um, what do you think about him going there? I mean, it, it's he not- goes to Cle- He went to Cleveland. Cedric Tillman went to Cleveland. My bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. and that, so he'll be most likely the number three, right? Uh, and, and he might just get sprinkled in because if you think about it, Amari Cooper is the guy. They gave up a second for Elijah Moore, who I absolutely love. Donovan Peoples-Jones is that down-the-field kind of contested catch guy that we've seen over the course of the last couple seasons. I think Cedric Tillman is going to end up being the Amari Cooper replacement next offseason. Amari Cooper will be going into his age 30 season. Uh, the contract, well, it's already flipped. They, they could have saved like $12 million if they moved on, but it didn't make sense, obviously, for them. Now they move into his age 30 season with even more of a delta of money that they can save. So bringing in Cedric Tillman, who, you know, the more and more I looked at the metric system that we built and we watched the tape, I, he's the best receiver on that Tennessee squad. So coming in and learning behind a route running guy like Amari Cooper, which is where Cedric Tillman could bear to gain a little bit for his game, I think is a really solid landing spot to me. He's an early to mid second round draft pick. I'm comfortable taking him there. Obviously, if he falls in the late second, I'm going to I'm gonna snatch him up there. But I do love the landing spot specifically because I'm a Browns fan also. So, Yeah, and, and the Browns essentially got a, a second-round receiver and a third-round receiver because they traded pick 42 for Elijah Moore. Yep. And uh, there's there's no promise that Elijah Moore is the number two. He's coming off of you know a, a good four games in his rookie year um, and then nothing. And then last year was absolutely nothing. And is it the Jets or is it Elijah Moore? We will find out. But I, I like the receiver core that the Cleveland Browns have built. You've gotten a Joku there as a solid tight end option. Amari Cooper, always underrated. And then you got, you know, you also have David Bell there, but Donovan Peoples Jones gives you that field stretcher. And then you got two possession receivers to move the chains and in Cedric Tillman and Elijah Moore. And I like the fact that Elijah Moore is more of a slot. Cedric Tillman's the outside. And it's not a whole lot of like you know, competing with each other. Um, yep. and, and I had Cedric Tillman as a top five guy on my board. So I was, I was super pumped to see um, both the Tennessee guys go to our teams. And uh, yeah, it threw me off there because it said Tennessee next to his name. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
So the next guy is off the board, and I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about Josh Downs. So Josh Downs went to the North. He was from North Carolina, and he goes with Anthony Richardson to the Colts and uh, offers them that speed threat they're looking for. Probably moves into the slot with Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman on the outside. What are your thoughts there? At Gardner Minshew could start the entire year, could start you know half the season. Um, Josh Downs, I think the eighth receiver off the board. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I, you know, as good as we saw Alec Pierce play in his rookie season last year, I think Josh Downs is going to immediately be the number two target in that offense. He may play out of the slot, but from a a, a volume perspective, I think he's going to be the second guy uh, behind Michael Pittman. He's got a great ability to route run. Uh, he's got some some twitchiness to him. Uh, I it's. I think it's a great fit when you look at what the Indianapolis Colts have right now between Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Uh, You got Michael Pittman, that big profile X receiver that can really do anything you ask him to. He could win at all levels of the field. Uh, Alec Pierce, I think, is a great third. And Josh Downs working those underneath routes. And especially when you look at what Anthony Richardson is bringing to that team, uh, from a rushing perspective, I think that's going to make things even easier for Josh Downs on those underneath routes to really be able to give you some yards after the catch ability uh, because those linebackers are going to have to step up on those play action passes and or RPOs and things like that. So uh, I really like the choice here. He was very high on my board and to come off this late, it does. I do question it a little bit with the number of receivers that went ahead of him, but I think the landing spot is premier for him for sure. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of people were pretty mad about this one. A lot of like, but Josh Downs is on the board. But Josh Downs is on the board, and it kept going. And Josh Downs just kind of sat there on everybody's best available list for a long time. And we've all we've all seen that happen. Um, Ty J Spears, I want to talk about it because some really not so good reports came out. Brad, did you see that regarding his uh, his knee? No, I had a, an interesting time yesterday evening while the draft was going on, so I'm, I missed a little bit of it. I, I did see a text from you uh, around it, but I haven't seen the actual. So I, I can uh, I can read the report, and so this is not good for Tajay Spears as far as dynasty. And so the report states that the and we've talked about it. I brought up during the player profile video the two uh, knee injury, the two ACL injuries. So he has no ACL in his left knee. He's got arthritis in his left knee, and they are, um, you know, they just have some concerns um, about him being able to get, you know, to have more of a JGE type of a, a career. And it's unfortunate for one of the most exciting uh, players, one of the most fun players, not only fun, but I, as a player, but I got to meet the guy. And I told you, Brad, I said, man, I thought this guy is like a stand up comedian. I mean, everybody just fell in love with this guy. So I hope that it's wrong. There's been outliers in the past. Thurman Thomas basically played his entire career with a partial torn ACL, but they said no ACL in the, in the knee and arthritis um, for Ty J Spears still gets third round draft capital, which was interesting. Um, goes behind Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry somehow gets traded this off season. Then it would be, wow. Okay, here we go. Yep. But it, if he's Aaron, not yep. traded, um, we usually don't see him leave much uh, food on the plate for anybody else. Uh, the next guy on the board was um, Devon A-Chain. Yep, Devin A-Chain went to Miami. And so um, 
I mean, you got a blazing fast running back going to the, one of the track teams. Um, Michael F. Florio said, I would love to see the Miami Dolphins um, take, get a four by one team out there for the U.S. Olympics. <laughs> um, between Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and A Chain, that is just absolutely crazy speed. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, that whole, even that whole backfield is built with guys that are just crazy fast, right? Raheem Mostert, super fast guy. If you think about what he did at San Fran, uh, and even in his time with uh, Miami last season, he's a speed guy. And now you had Devin A. Chain, another speed guy. Jeff Wilson was a speed guy. And you have, I believe they have all three of those guys currently, right? They still have Wilson under contract. They still have Mostert under contract. And now you add Devin A-Chain. So a lot of those very similar players there. I'm not saying that he's not going to get opportunity or anything like that. But I do think he there's a world where he gets kind of eased in. Or maybe it's a running back by committee type situation for them which we saw some of last year with Wilson and Mostert. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how it, it fits out and or falls out throughout the season. But I, I, as great of a landing spot as Miami was, because it's Devin A-Chain, I don't know that I'd be willing to spend a late first or early second round pick on him. Is that somebody you're looking at in that range? I I've been slower on a chain all off season, just because of the size. I just don't think he's going to get the volume. And even when he was drafted, Dale Jeremiah said, this is not a guy that's going to get a whole lot of volume. So, I mean, yeah, if this guy is Chris Johnson, I'm wrong. <laughs> you know, the hope is, is that he's, you know, he's going to be able to do that because he is absolutely lightning in a bottle. And I think he's going to fit this offense. But then, you know, if they give him 15, 20 touches a game, is he going to be able to hold up? Um, he is a good running back. And he's yeah. not just a good outside running. He's actually a good inside runner. But running in the Big 12 and running in the NFL are not the same thing. I think John uh, – John, you know, John Was he? Oh, yeah. Texas A&M. Yeah, yeah, Texas A&M yeah. is the SEC. Yeah. Um, forgot about that move a few years ago, but you know, with a chain, I just, I, I think you have, um, you know, you have a guy that goes with a, a good fit and a good landing spot and gets pretty good draft capital. So you can't take him completely off your board. It's just how high are you willing to, to, to go? Are you willing to take him in the first round? I, I'm not, no, no, not right now. And you willing to take him in the mid second round? I think probably the mid to late second is where I'd I'd be comfortable with it. So the uh the next the next running back is Tank Bigsby goes to Jacksonville as an ETN fan. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I th I'm okay with it, right? I think the writing was on the wall that they were going to add somebody to that room. Uh, they, I don't think you want to lean on Travis ETN 35 times a game. You know you're. You're going to give him some some rushes, but you really want him to be where he's the most explosive, which is that outside run and that pass catching back. And this, I think, is going to allow him to stay healthy for an entire season, which means better fantasy output, to be quite frank. Right. So if Tank Bigsby can take some of that that rushing between the tackles load off of ETN and ETN is able to get some of those pass catches on that out of the backfield and still touch the if he can get. 
even after this, if he can still manage to get 15 plus touches a game combination between rushing and receiving, I think that's enough because of how explosive Travis Etienne is. I think it's a great move for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think it really is probably a helpful move for Travis Etienne as well. I know his dynasty value is probably going to drop because everybody's going to say, oh, my God, they added Tank Bigsby and he's not ever going to run the ball anymore. I just don't think that's going to be the case. Right. We all we talked about it before. Doug Peterson is a two back kind of guy like that's what he wants to do. He wasn't really able to do that last year. They moved away from James Robinson. Travis Etienne kind of took the helm. We saw him touch the ball. 30 times a couple games, but we just saw him start to break down over the years. So I, I think it makes sense. Yeah, it, it makes sense. And, and uh, I said that in our group chat uh, in, the, in the Kings of Dynasty. And, uh, you know, uh, 15 to, to 18 touches a game is like you can be an RB1. Absolutely. We saw Ramondre Stevenson do it. And you and I had that conversation. It was kind of like a little bit of a, yeah, like, in our in our heads, we we want these guys to get every single touch, and you know efficiency is going to go down, durability is going to go down, and then availability is going to go even worse. Yep. So, um, Darnell Washington went in the third round of the Steelers. Um, some issues with his knee reported um, medical. Um, that's why he dropped in the in in the draft. Um, they weren't very specific like they were with Spears, but uh, getting behind Fryermuth, being more of a like, you know, occasionally going out and catching a few passes, low target, low uh, route participation guy. I mean, Washington's fourth round pick. Look, so I'm going to use an example that you gave earlier in the show. This is the way that this should be done. If you want to run 12 personnel and the goal is to confuse the defense on what you're going to do, who's going to be the pass catcher, who's going to block, are they both going to block, are they both going to go out? You need guys that provide both of those skill sets, right? So you look at what Green Bay did. They have two dynamic pass catchers that they're going to try to run 12 personnel with. And you look at what the Steelers have. They got Pat Fryermuth. They have Darnell Washington. Two guys, excellent blockers. One guy is excellent down the seam. One guy is pretty good. So now the question is, okay, we can run – 12 personnel and run the ball and it be legitimate because I got two tight ends who are good at blocking. Or this could also be a passing down where Darnell Washington goes down the middle of the field. I've got Deontay Johnson underneath. I've got uh, uh, George Pickens going deep. I've got Pat Fryermuth underneath. Like now I don't really know what's going on. This is how that should be designed in my opinion. So now am I going and running to draft Darnell Washington? No. But I think for the Pittsburgh Steelers, this is good for Najee Harris. And I don't know that it necessarily hurts Pat Fryerman. So the Packers have Josh DeGora, who they took in the second round a few years ago. Yep. That's the that's their pass blocker. Sure. Their, their other blocker. Brad's really trying to – he's really wanting to fight me on this one. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, they're not going to put Christian Watson as a blocker. Uh, I get it. But, you know, they that's – Yes, this is this is what you're doing with Washington, um, and it's for me. It's arguable whether he is a, a big receiving option, um, but I think you add Allen Robinson, you add Pat Fryermuth, and uh, Washington's not gonna. He doesn't have a very clear path very very soon with you know with Pickens and Deontay Johnson. Um, yeah, I mean he's off for for me. He's off the draft board. Period. I think the knee discussion comes up, the fall in the draft comes up. 
uh, where he landed comes up. It, it's a good football draft for me, but from a fantasy perspective, he's I don't he he should not go in the first three rounds of your rookie draft. That, that was my question. Brad wanted to re he wanted to re revisit something we argued about for fifteen minutes. <laughs> no, I just think it's good for for some other pieces of the Steelers and the Steelers offense just, as just, a whole. You just want to try to drive home another point. <laughs> and uh, Michael Wilson. Another guy that really kind of in the Jonathan Mango type has been raising up boards. He's an outside receiver, big receiver, goes to Arizona. Chris Sims had him as his fifth receiver. Um, a lot of people like this you guy. go to Arizona or Philly? He went to Arizona. Michael Wilson? I have went, him at Philly for whatever reason. They got a Cardinal under his face. Okay. All right. um, yeah, I must have goofed it up. Well, Stanford Cardinals, but yes, Arizona Cardinals as well. Um, yeah. Michael Wilson to Arizona, uh, and his injury is just why he fell. Um, but he's a big outside receiver, and on a really bad offense, he was pretty good last year. Um, so I think you know, with DeAndre Hopkins likely out of town, he could offer you know potential number two over there behind Marquise Brown if Hopkins were to get traded. Um, but he's probably the number three or four to start the season. Izzy went to the Jets. What are no? Ah, moving on. Sorry. The Packers just drafted Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford. (laughs) Um, Jake Moody got drafted before a lot of your favorite fantasy football players. Um, round round four. All right, it's not pulling up for me. Um. There we go. I can pull it up if you need. Yeah, if you could pull it up. I'm struggling over here with uh, everybody home and everybody watching Netflix here. All right. Let um, me stop my other screen share with what we were going to show. Do this one. Draft tracker. Share. All right. Let me know when you can see it because I can only see the screen now. Yeah. I can see it. So in the fourth round. We have um, have any offensive players until Rashawn Johnson? Nope. So Rashawn Johnson goes to Chicago Bears, big bruising running back. He was, you know, as far as elusive, he was the second most elusive back behind B. John Robinson. And so, um, you know, this is an elusive back that goes to a good situation. Um, You know, he can compete with Khalil Herbert, compete with – Drawing a blank real quick, um, you Clear know, with, with Deonta Foreman over there, um, and and the Bears got a very cheap, very solid running back room when you look at it. And Rashawn Johnson, there's, I mean, just because he's out here in the in the fourth round doesn't mean that he could end up taking over um, this backfield at some point. I think for someone like me who has Khalil Herbert. It's uh, it definitely will, will put a little bit of a dent in his value, um, and you might have to wait and see how these things shake out because uh, Rashawn Johnson definitely is – he's a good enough back and a good enough draft capital to put some fear in uh, you know anyone that's trying to trade for Khalil Herbert right now and drives the price down. And I know you didn't have Khalil Herbert high on your board already, but what does this do with Sean Johnson? Is he like the top top five running back for you? No, I don't, so I still need to see the situation kind of iron itself out. Now, I understand Deonta Foreman's a one-year deal. 
Long-term value is not going to be there for him. Khalil Herbert, I believe this is also the last year of his deal. So we could find ourselves in a situation where if the Bears really like what they see from Roshan Johnson, who, you know, if I look at my metric uh, model, he was a top five running back last year and this year from a metric perspective uh, for, for the production score. So, you know, when you incorporate in the combine, it kind of knocks him down a little bit. But, but from a production metrics, the dude looks really good from a yards per touch type of concept. And if the Bears like that and it translates to what they're trying to do, which I think it very could very well could with Justin Fields at the helm uh, with the kind of dynamic rushing uh, passing offense that they're going to be looking to kind of run, he could find himself in a very, very good situation. Now, I think you're going to have somebody in your draft that probably overdrafts Roshan Johnson. I think you could see him go in the back end of the first because of what we're talking about. You could see him go in that 201 to 203 range, early second, uh, because somebody trades to jump up and try to grab him. And I don't know if I'm ready to go quite to that level yet. If you have early rookie drafts, you're going to have to make your call. You're going to have to call your shot. If you don't do your rookie draft until later in the season, you know, let's say July timeframe, now you've got a little bit more data to go off of to say, you know what, Roshan's the guy. All the reports are good. They're saying he's the second guy behind Khalil Herbert. Or hell, maybe he's David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert is the change of pace. So you just don't know how it's going to flesh out. So if you're a later draft, uh, you're probably going to see him start to trickle up just from a normal perspective. But right now, I think you're probably going to have some guys that are are taking him a little bit earlier just based on what they hope happens. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting one um, for me. me and I, I've I've been getting more and more confident with, um, you know, Rashawn Johnson being closer to my top five. And, you know, I, I do like Kula Herbert, but I'm also a realist and I see that Kula Herbert has seventh round draft capital from a GM that is no longer there. And so um, if they like Rashawn Johnson, this could be a path for him. And so I will be moving Rashawn Johnson up based off this. And I, I know that it's going to hurt my, uh, my Khalil Herbert stock. Um, Darius Davis from TCU goes to the chargers. I don't see a huge lot of fantasy implications on that. I don't think uh, anyone's moving him too high off the board. Um, we have Stetson Bennett and uh, Jake Hayner going off. Gets Saints and Rams, and then uh, Charlie Jones gets uh, you know slot receiver out there in Purdue. Luckily, he got out of that Iowa offense and was absolutely dominant in Purdue uh, after he escaped Iowa. Um, what are your thoughts here about those picks? Uh, no, I'm not excited about any of those guys. None I mean, sleepers my- taking them in the third round. So if we did a sleeper mock draft right now, they're going in. <laughs> Stetson Bennett might be a second round pick. Yeah, right. I'm not interested in any of those guys. I just don't. I think they profile as backup quarterbacks. I know there's some intrigue because of the Saints and Carr and the Rams and Stafford. And oh my God, maybe they. No, like get out of here. These guys are not taking the job from Derek Carr or Matthew Stafford. Now, could they start some games because of injury? 100%. But they're not going to be somebody that you're putting in your starting lineup. They're not going to be somebody that anybody buys if they end up having a one or two game start because of injury. It's just a roster clogger to me. So I'm I'm not interested in either of those guys. Now, Tyler Scott is interesting. And so Tyler Scott is, again, another one of those speed guys. 
Um, but going looking at the ADP before, people were getting very interested in him in him already, and so that it's another weapon for Justin Fields. And maybe he's more of a best ball guy than anything, but he definitely offers a different skill set than the other guys they have on the roster. Cole Komet is, you know, he's he's an athletic tight end, bless you, but not as athletic as these other guys. DJ Moore plays more underneath yards after the catch guy. And then you got um yeah, you know, Mooney got some speed, Velas Jones got some speed, but um Chase Claypool, again, more of a deep ball specialist, contested catch guy. He's got some – Tyler Scott's got some serious speed. Yep. And so he'll he'll add that to that offense. Uh, Aiden O'Connell going to the Raiders, future Raiders quarterback right there. <laughs> All right, let's get into the fifth. I know, I know they're, probably, they're probably not done with it yet, but – Yeah, and we'll get out of here. Um, we'll, we'll be doing a mock draft here soon. Uh, maybe as soon as Monday. I know there's some people doing their crazy people doing their rookie drafts like tonight. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Clayton Toon went right there uh, in the fifth round, goes to uh, goes to Arizona. Um, I like that for, for Clayton Toon being able to go there and back up um, Kyler Murray. Athletic player. If you want to see some, some highlights, and, you know, he's got some good stats. And then DTR. Going to Cleveland, obviously, there's not a clear path for success for either of those guys, Clayton Tune or you know DTR. But if you you talk about guys that, if given the opportunity, could provide some fantasy production, those two guys are there. I, I mean, talk about Aiden O'Connell and, and Jake Hayner. They don't have the rushing upside that these two have, and Clayton Tune is one of the he, he's one of the more athletic players um, as, at the at the running, the quarterback position, very Daniel Jones type. And then DTR, he's you know he's got to put on a little bit of weight, but uh, you know 6'2", 200 pounds, runs a four four forty, just an absolute uh, running back uh, when he gets when he gets uh, you know downfield. Is he Evanaconda going to the Jets? Ugh. Um, Pains me. Pains so me. Brees Hall is coming off an ACL. Michael Carter is there. Um, James Robinson, I believe, is a free agent. Or James Robinson? I don't think James Robinson's still there anymore. Yeah, he's no, he's not. James Robinson is in New England. So you're looking at basically a handcuff situation. And Izzy Abinaconda is going to go where Sleeper has been telling us all offseason at the end of the third round. <laughs> I, yeah. We've been mad at Sleeper. And, you know, as Zach Evans is still on the board. Yep. Unless I missed it. Nope, he is he is still on the board. And Sean Tucker is still on the board. Yep. Well, so Tucker had that heart issue pop up, right? So that that fall doesn't necessarily surprise me. Zach Evans definitely does, uh, just because of the explosiveness that he provides. Yeah, um, is I, he, I think- you know, and I feel like I'm probably talking myself into it because I'm a big Abinant Conda fan, but you think about the offense that they're running, they're running that speed zone that really fits what Izzy can do with his speed. So you hope that he gets a little bit of opportunity, but um, this year might be the year. It might be an opportunity for you to buy low and sell high, to be honest. Right. So Brees Hall coming off of that ACL, the first year return from an ACL is always kind of underwhelming, underperforming. 
right? So if you're really a true Brees believer, and I think he, I mean, he's the better back, obviously. I think there's a world where Izzy has some decent production this year because they're easing Brees back into things. And then you use that narrative to sell Izzy before next offseason or before the season starts. So um, I think there's a, you know, maybe a little bit of value swing that you can get out of him. But like I said, I'm probably talking myself into into drafting him. At this yeah, point. I, for me, he, it's a handcuff situation and Zonovan Knight is there. Forgot about him. Um, it's just ugly. Uh, that, that's a messy situation. And that's unfortunate for one of the backs that I was most excited about. But Hopefully he overcomes that. I'm not worried about Michael Carter, to be honest. But Zonovan Knight was pretty good. Um, and so he's going to have to beat both those guys out. Uh, yeah, Josh Wiley going to uh, Tennessee. Tennessee had a pretty interesting draft. A lot of offensive players. They got, um, you know, you got Josh Wiley over there. Um, they also, you know, they added a, a quarterback, a running back, and a tight end. Did they add a receiver as well? They did Tennessee? not add a receiver, no. That's, yeah, that's I, I gave him pick, Cedric Tillman, right? which I gave him Cedric Tillman would have would have been like a great pick, but they didn't yep. get him. Um, Sean Clifford, um, you know, Will Levis's arch nemesis goes to the Packers. Justin Shorter, um, he was Anthony Richardson's main target in Florida. He goes to Buffalo Bills. He's a big dude. Not a lot of people talk about Shorter, and he's not short. Um, I think he's six five or six four. Um, Kayshawn Boutte is still on the board as well. A lot of uh, off the field stuff with Boutte, and yep. he's uh, he's quickly turning into like a Justin Ross. Well, hey, we did it. We're we up. Made it. We made it. So, um, Brad, any final thoughts on this? Um, yeah, we're gonna be doing some mock drafts. We're gonna be updating the rankings. I have to update my rankings today so I can get them out to everybody. Um, yeah, it's been fun, man. Uh, we'll uh, argue about the uh, Packers here some more. Um, yeah, right. Soon. Well, there's and, just so many neat – like, if I look at the – like, I've got a sheet where I've been keeping track of, like, the offensive players and kind of highlighted who I think the needs are and whatnot. And no team that I had marked outside of Philadelphia – and Chicago added a running back to a room that I think needed to Dallas. I first I know they added Ronald Jones, Tony Pollard coming off an ACL. Like it's very shocking to me. They didn't add one of these running backs, Arizona with James Connor. What, what are you doing? Cleveland? Uh, you know, I thought was an opportunity to add a running back with Nick Chubb aging out and they got let, you know, let go of Kareem Hunt, Joe Mixon, and the Cincinnati Bengals, and all that drama. They lost some Ajayi well, Ryan. Let, let me let me run through the next the next ten picks on the board that I think you know we could see a running back. We got the Chargers, could see a running back. Another guy Isaiah Spiller last year. Baltimore, Indy, nah, Green Bay. I mean, Aaron Jones get a little older. AJ Dillon hasn't really been you know the yeah, dude. Um, they're gonna run a whole lot of twelve personnel with Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave. You got the Rams. Cam uh, Akers is going to be on. He's going to be on his uh, rookie deal. Is going to be over here soon. We have Cincinnati and Minnesota coming up in the next 10 picks. Kansas City after that. Dallas, five picks after that. You can see it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised with this uh, contract situation if the Giants, uh, if somebody were to be available. Um, let's say Zach Evans is sitting there. 
they could, you know, they could look at him and put him behind uh, Saquon. Well, that's kind of my, like, I look at the Cincinnati Bengals in that situation and say, at this point, you're in the fifth round. How do you pass up on Zach Evans? Dwayne McBride. Yeah. I mean, like, there's some, there's some running backs that are still on the board and, I mean, we see it every year, and, you know, a lot of times we get hopeful about it, and draft capital ends up being king. Yep. Um, but there are some guys that do slip through, you know, your Chris Carsons of the world, your Austin Ecklers of the world, and, you know, um, you know, Evan Hull is a guy that's still out there. And so um, we're in the fifth round. This isn't the seventh round. We're not talking about these guys going undrafted, but it's definitely not going to – you know, you look, Tyler Algier was a fifth-round pick last year. Yep, yep. Um, then Rashad White and uh, Damian Pierce went in the fourth round. Yep. Is that right? Yep. So you could see it, um, but it's just – it's harder to see. And the chances yep. go down a couple, you know, percentage points every pick yep. that oh, yeah, they, sure. they fall down the board. And so um, we'll, we'll have to see. But, yeah, there's some, there's some interesting uh, – interesting – running backs that are still on the board. And uh, oh yeah, I, I mentioned to see what, like you said, playing. we start at 30 players that we really like, and then it whittles its way down to about 15 to 18. And then you're like, all right, I'm just going to take a shot at some guys. Now. It's every freaking off season. Like yeah. I, I'll just, I, I'm, I always remember, like, I just tell everybody trade up now, and then you can decide if you want to trade back later. But if yeah. you, if you wait till the draft, you know, everyone's like, man, I'll, I'll trade you pick 27. It's like, I'm no longer interested in it. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, there's still probably, you know, close to 30 players I like, but I would say that, you know, it's more like than love. Oh yeah. Yep. And uh, I'll be definitely be trading, you know, trading, uh, trying to trade third round picks for 2024 seconds and uh, fourth round picks for 2024 thirds like i always do and uh yeah man it's been uh it's been fun and uh yep. i hope you uh have a good rest of the draft oh yeah cheers all right as always good luck this season